you can't be afraid to talk to other departments. It's all meshed together and everybody wants to help the other department as much as they can. You have to make decisions that are best for the movie, best for the director, but also work within the budget. And those three things usually collide. It's a give and take and that's what, that's what movies are. Hey everyone, welcome to Call Sheet, a podcast about film production and the boots on the ground work of Below the Line crew. If you work in physical production in any department, this show is for you. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey folks, today on the show we're going to talk about stunts. Once again, we are your hosts, Bryce Sirier and Kiku Terasaki. Hey there, Kiku. How are ya? Great, thank you. I'm so stoked for this episode. Our guest today is going to walk us through how to plan and execute stunts at any budget level, who are the key people a stunt coordinator collaborates with, and what to keep in mind to perform stunts safely, effectively, and in a way that also contributes to the story. This guy's worked on the biggest movies in Hollywood, and I'm so excited to hear his stories and insights. Yeah, so if you love action like the Fast and Furious movies, Ant-Man and the Wasp, or especially Black Panther. You've been enjoying the work of stunt coordinator, second unit director, and stunt performer extraordinaire, Andy Go. Andy's a member of the Screen Actors Guild, the Directors Guild, and the Elite Stunts Unlimited, as well as being an invited member of the Motion Picture Academy. All of this reflects what he does for a living, planning, performing, coordinating, and directing action sequences full of people, often in vehicles, creating a lot of mayhem and having a ball. So welcome, Andy. Thanks for having me. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I guess our first question was like, how did you get started in the business? Uh-huh. Um, I'm one of the very lucky uh, ones. It's, it was called nepotism. <laughs> My brother got in before I did. We both grew up in Georgia, away from the business. And we're very heavy into uh, motorsports with motorcycles, some light cars and everything else. My brother moved out to California. He got in the business and called me up one day and said, move your ass out here and and let's have some fun doing stunts. So I came out and uh, I went under his wing and went out. I got a a job bartending out here until I could get my feet on the ground. And and, uh, I would go out during the day to all the sets that he worked at and learn. And uh, he showed me how to set up things, how to break down things, how to do things right, how to do things wrong. Uh, and I learned a lot watching guys do things wrong more than I learned how to do things right. Uh, you see it and you go, oh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that. That doesn't work. But over the years, you learn. And then I started working. Uh, he hired me my first job on, on uh, Night Rider of all shows. And I started just working my way up because of his background and getting me into it. I got going pretty quick. I was surrounded by some of the still some of the top stunt people in the business and they kind of all took me under their wings and and steered me in the right direction and gave me a lot of tips and gave me a lot of of info and moved me forward at a pretty quick pace. And I I went from Knight Rider to Fall Guy to Riptide, met people through the ranks and then started jumping right into coordinating on uh, lower budget shows. It was the straight to video VHS world. For a friend of mine that was that was directing, my friend that that, that I still work with, we, he's a second year director, and I've, I've been with him for thirty four years, thirty six years. So I went over and helped him. We had a ball on it. They just said, "Look, this is our lump sum of money. This is all we got. We don't really care what you give us. Just give us something." And they'd say, "Here's your piece of crap cars. Put something together. Make it work." 
And so we'd sit down and figure out a story and do it. And so that's where a lot of my input and a lot of my uh, process of working in this business has come from. I still use a lot of those methods that I used then because we didn't have the money to build all this stuff to do this. But, but Spirit and I wanted to do these big stunts. So we learned how to do them on the cheap, how to do them safe, what worked, what didn't work. And we had a lot of time to make mistakes and learn from them and then correct them later on when we had more money to make them look spectacular. And so uh, I'm still super stoked that uh, it worked out for me that way, that I've got a great brother that, that really took care of me when I started and pushed me along. And that, that's how it all started. It's, uh, so I'm very, very blessed. So I see that you and your brother Jack and Spiro Razatos work together a lot, especially on the Fast and Furious franchise. How do you decide who's going to do what on any particular film? So what's interesting is I've used the same group of guys for 30-something years. Uh, and the reason is that I've learned through the years of, of having to go outside the States or going to other, other cities and having to hire people that I didn't know. They're good drivers, but it's like any team that has worked together for a long time, they know each other. And by knowing each other, you can get a little closer, you can get a little tighter, you can be a little safer, you can go outside the boundaries a little bit further and still be safe and not wreck cars left and right and do all this other stuff. Because all the people know what the other person should be doing. And if something doesn't look right, they know they need to get out of the situation. So it, it really saves us from, from wrecking a lot of cars, which if you have just people that have never worked together, and then you throw eight cars into a turn together, you're going to trash six or seven cars. So uh, it's something I learned early on and, and fight for it. And it is a fight every time because producers have their job. They, you know, they, want, they want a good show, but they also uh, want to save money here and there. If they don't need to hire someone that's from L.A. or from, from London or wherever I pull them from and don't have to fly them, don't have to put them up, they would rather hire someone locally that can do the same job. And so it's a, it's always a give and take. Um, sometimes you have to give in other times. It's like, we can't do this unless we have the team because we're doing some very intricate stuff. So you just, you explain it to them all. It's never a, an all or nothing. It's just, it's a give and take. And that's what, that's what movies are. It's, they're always in flux. It's always liquid. And, and you have to make decisions that are, that are best for, for the movie, best for the director but also work within the budget. And those three things usually collide. Uh, and you just have to work around it until you meld it into something that works. Is there an example that comes to mind when you really did have to fight for bringing your team onto a shoot? And how do you handle that? Yeah, there's a, um, we were doing a show uh, up in Vancouver, actually Kamloops, Canada. And I had, I think, six big heavy-duty off-road pickup trucks. They're chasing an old... 44 that looks like a monster truck. So I got seven drivers up there and all of them were from, from LA and it was took an act of God to get them up there because the producer was just absolutely, you're going to hire Canadian stunt guys. They can drive these cars. They're going to do it. And it was a fight. Spiro got involved all the way up the chain. Everyone got involved until I finally got my way and got my guys in. So the producer at that point wasn't really on our side. And it was one of the first things we're filming, and I've got them all up there. Jack was driving the lead uh, monster truck, the 40 monster truck. And uh, the first shot is he's coming into town, and he does this big slide around a corner with all those trucks right behind him, and they all have to pitch slides around the corner and out of the shot. 
they do a couple of slow run in or start building speed. And about a third or fourth take, I said, okay, you guys have fun with it. Now that you know it, let's, uh, let's get something fun. And they're all tight coming in fast. And you, Jack starts to slide it and he misses it, overslides it. And you see every truck just go different directions, boom, find holes. And they all come to a stop and nobody hit anybody. And, yeah, and I just calmly said, okay, back to one. Let's try that again. And the producer comes over to me, and I thought he was going to scream and yell. And he goes, now I know why I'm paying for these guys. Tell them I'm going to give them all a $1,000 pump at the end of the day. He goes, they just saved me six cars. It's because all those guys have driven with each other so long that as soon as they see, saw Jack do that, they knew he wasn't going to make the turn. It's not, not the way he usually turns. And it's like, okay, better start finding out. And everybody just watches everybody. And it's like a ballet. It's awesome to watch. One of our themes and objectives is to say, you know, like a movie may have a name director and actors, but unfortunately the media sort of forgets there's like 300 other people. Yeah. On your films, you've got 300 stunt people, let alone the rest of the crew. Yes. So if you would step us through the process, um, starting with, you get a script or maybe you just get asked like, hey, we want to do some cool stuff. Yeah. Where do you come into this? And then stepping through the phases of planning and budgeting and then executing. Yeah. It, every show is different. Everyone. Black Panther, the director had a clear vision of what he wanted. There were uh, complete storyboards of just about every action sequence of uh, what he wanted. We would go in and we would, he wanted input, so we would tweak them. We would give him fight scenes and what's called a fight previs and live action with all the, the doubles. And we would just give him all these spectacular moves and then give them to him as a, as a select cut and say, look, you look at these. You just tell us which ones have to be in your movie, and then we'll build around that to figure your fight out. Otherwise, we'll just be putting fights together and fights together, and you may not like it for some reason. You don't know why. So as long as you know what you really want in the movie, so that's what we do. We just take these really cool moves that we give to each character, four or five of each, and say, which ones do you really like? And a lot of times, like on Black Panther, the director will go, no, this one's, this one's got to be Killmonger's move. That's a really cool move. That's more like him. So we'd switch them around and do a lot of other things. Other movies, a lot of the fast movies, completely different. Um, you go in, there are guidelines of, of, they have the, sometimes the sequence is written. Sometimes you get a sequence and it's like when we started fast eight on the ice, we had a 12 page scriptment is all we had when we started filming. That was it. And, uh, we knew that there was a chase on ice and we knew that there was a submarine involved with torpedoes. And so we sat down with the director, Spiro, me, uh, the director, uh, the first, we would have meeting after meeting, just throwing ideas out. And, and we would all go scout. We'd come back, say, okay, we know we can do this on the ice. We can do this. And the same thing, we would put together footage of other crashes we've done that we know we can do well and say, look, we can do this. We can twist it up enough that it doesn't look the same, so it looks new. Uh, but this is the type of crash we can get here for this white rack. This is the type of crash we can do there. Uh, if you want, you know, bigger over the top, you give him ideas for that. So you take all those ideas, uh, Justin would take those and he'd say, I really want this here or I don't, this is how it needs to flow. 
it's working with the director because it's his vision, the first unit director vision. That's who you're ultimately trying to achieve your uh, stunts for. And, and that's one thing Spiro, the second unit director, is one of the best at ever. He will fight tooth and nail, production, producers, studios, to get what the director wants. So we take that and it's, it's a teamwork of melding it. I'll sit down and once we have an idea, like on a fast series of what their script uh, reads and to what we can actually do in the locations we have, don't really mesh a lot of times. So we'll give him all the ideas. We'll sit down with the, with the director, hash out kind of a general overview of what we all like, what, what, stunts we like how it progresses how each character builds into the sequence or gets taken away from the sequence we write notes down then i'll take it back and i'll do what i call a beat sheet and it's not written out like a script it's very precise short this car does this this character does this and it just tells you what the sequence of events happens and what happens to each car or character and by looking at that, then everybody that needs to be involved, art department, effects, um, locations, everybody can look at it and go, okay, now I got an idea of what we're really doing. You know, it's not just out of thin air, this is kind of what we want. You know, now we know we're going to do this, what's called a sidewinder stunt here. We're going to jump a car here. This person gets killed here. This person right here moves on out of this sequence. We'll pick them up later. So it starts getting everything in line. Then that, what I write, once it's all okayed by the director, goes back to the writers. Now they make the story around that. Now it fits the story. It fits what the director wants. And it fits what we can do in our playground. So now we're at a point where, okay, now, we're, now we can actually get physically get some things done because everything's meshing. Everything works. I love it. I mean, the language that you're using as you're describing this process, it is so enmeshed with the creative intent of each scene, of each moment, plot point, character development, all of that. Could you speak to that a little bit more about like why that is important to understand about stunts, that it's not just how to logistically pull it off, but it's so intertwined with all of the key creatives uh, in bringing to life the director's vision from a creative standpoint? Oh, but absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think... Um... I think I learned that early on with Spiro. I think that was one of Spiro's biggest assets was early on. He understood that. And so everything that I was putting together, he would always question, why does the car crash? I went, because it's cool. He goes, yeah, but there's no reason for it to. I learned over the years, okay, it does need to have something to do with story. It makes a lot of difference to me, and I think it does to the audience, when everything on screen has a meaning. and Action is one of the big things that I think is a turning point because if it doesn't have meaning, then it's just action to be action. And it, to me, I think you could have two action sequences that are exactly the same, but one of them has meaning with the story and the other one doesn't. Want. And the one that doesn't, I don't think people would like as much. They're just going to go, oh, it's, it's, you're just not, you're not connected to it. You know, so, so that's something we strive for very hard with all the shows that I do. We also wanted to ask how the advancements in technology have impacted your work and how that affects budgets. Yes. Do you feel like audience expectations have shifted to wanting bigger stunts and flashier effects? So that part of it in my world, the, the time frame of how this has all progressed, uh, 
the more I work on, on features, the more money that comes in goes back into the stunt department and to the visual effects department because the audience has seen stunts grow, visual effects grow, and they just keep wanting more and they want bigger and they want better. So only way to do that is to throw more money at it, more visual effects, more real stunts, and we know. I know there was a, a time in the stunt world where everybody thought that visual effects was just gonna end stunts. And uh, there was a lot of speculation, nobody knew. But it really hasn't, and I don't think it ever will. It changed it, it actually made it bigger by being able to embellish the stunts that we were doing, made them look bigger. So now we gotta come up with bigger stunts, and they got to come up with more visual effects to make it all blend together and work well. So it's a dichotomy of who's going to be bigger than the other. I don't think either. I think visual effects can't do it without the real world stunts, and we can't do it without without them. It's a it's a combination of the two departments that that really make it work. I mean, especially today with all the rigs that you have and everything else that they have to paint out. And I mean, we do most of the real real fire, but then they add little parts in that around actors and stuff that make it all blend to make it look one, which is incredible. So you feel that live action is the foundation and it's embellished by the effects, right? In my world, they are um, in a, let's say, uh, Avengers. It's a fine line. I know when they, when they uh, Marvel Universe started, they used to fly people on wires all the time. Same way with, with Spider-Man and all that. Now. All they need to do is take the actor, lift them off the ground two feet, and then it's a total digital takeover of the character because they're so fast and moving around so quick. And now most of the hits that you see when a CGI character hits another person, that person is real, getting ratcheted into a wall or through a window or hitting a car and flipping over it to the ground and all that. So you're still melding the two together. In that world, it's a lot more of the CG character parts of it than in my world in, in a car. A fast is on the shouldn't be comic book looking. I mean, we really uh, go outside the box a lot, but it's not superheroes flying around and moving buildings and all that other stuff. You can be a little bit visual effects heavy and still get away with it for those kind of movies. But I think if you took that to any drama that had some action, it, it would just look silly. You still need the realistic physical fight scenes. You need the physical blowing through windows, getting hit by cars. The visual effects part of it is close to being there, but you, the the eye can see it, and you know the difference. So, how do you collaborate with the digital effects team? Yeah, that that process is a lot of uh, banter back and forth for for many many weeks. What happens uh, usually is you get to the point where the scene is broken down to what we know we're going to shoot after I've done the, the, store, the uh, beat sheets and everything else, now it's come out. Now we got to figure out how to actually film it. So I'll start breaking down my end of it, of uh, this car wreck's here, this is that. We can do this part of the car wreck, but we can't fly it over six trains and make it land over here. So we can do a landing, we can do a start, we can do this. And so I start breaking those out. I get with visual effects and say, what's the best way you think we could do this? A lot of times the visual effects will say, you give me as much as you possibly can safely. Just give us the best you can because we'll have that to build off of and then we can take it further. So that's an easy way to go, okay, I know how far I can take it. 
I can give them, uh, if they want a big jump, I'll give them a big jump and I'll get them high in the air. I'll get them, you know, X amount of feet out there. Now they can take it over. Sometimes it's, they come in and say, you know, I would rather you not really do anything and let us take it over from the start. And that's when the give and take comes in because Spiro and I are both very adamant about doing as much as we can physically. And most directors we work with feel the same way. They want to get that physical feeling on the screen. I'll come up with ideas. Uh, visual effects will come up with ideas. And ultimately, it lands in, into the lap of the director. And uh, we'll take all those ideas of how we could do some of what he wants to do 100% visual effect and blend it together, or he does it. And, and sometimes the director will go, you know what? I'll have more control if he just does it all. You guys just back away from us. Other times they go, no, I really want that physical hit, that that landing. I need that real landing. So, so let visual effects do what they can there, but you guys got to give me this piece. So it's it's all that give and take. And you can't be afraid to to talk to other departments. And that's what I love about about working on the big budgets like that. Everybody is so professional what they do. Nobody has any ego, and there's is going to say, hey, that's my department. You stay out of my department. It's all mesh together and everybody wants to help the other department as much as they can. So as many ideas, as many much information that they can get from me helps them. And the same with me, as much information you can get from them saves me. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we wanted to ask about stunts on big budget versus low budget films. You know, the, the difference between having however many cars you need to blow up or crash versus having only one car to crash and, you know, you got to shoot it and cover it in as many ways as possible. I mean, you tell us if that's... You'd be surprised on the big budgets are sometimes worse. Yeah. In what way? Uh, because they're dealing with such high-end cars on Fast 7. I think it was 7. We started building our own cars from scratch, which takes a long time and are very expensive. But they're all specifically designed to do certain things like the on Fast 7, the uh, off-road charger that goes down the hill and all that. That was a tube-frame, hand-built, mid-engine charger made for off-road that uh, just they don't exist. He had to make them, and he can only make so many in a time frame. And so whereas Fast Five, we had, I think, 22 chargers, we had four downhill cars. And those four, first unit needs them. We need them. We need to jump them. We need to do all this other stuff. So we can't afford direct one. We really can't. So I need somebody in that car that can take care of it, that's not going to beat it up, that can get great shots with it and put it in tight spots that we need to put it in, but not wreck it. That's where the pressure comes in. But I always talk to Spiro. Spiro knows that we can, let's say we have those four chargers that are off-road. That's all we got. But we need to wreck two of them, and a first unit has to have one. So that gives us three. Now we wreck one, and it doesn't work. Now if we have to wreck another one, and they said, no, you don't get to because we didn't have enough. And that's where you start wheeling dealing. If we take this one, and we take the parts off of that one, and we put this Frankenstein together, we wreck this one, then we might be able to make another one down the road if we need it because we have enough parts. Then we're not really out of a car. If we need it, we can put one back together. Like I said, it's always in flux, and nothing is ever no and nothing is ever yes until it's done. You just keep fighting. But, yeah, it all depends on the show and, and, and what you're doing. On low budgets, um, you get one take at it. You very rarely get take two. 
and the other thing with low budget is is you're very limited on your angles because you can, usually if you can get four or five cameras on it that's a lot and on fast Sparrow usually shoots with 14. It's a little different. Let's dig into that then. So for those filmmakers who are working on those smaller budget projects, whether they're, you know, indie features or commercials with stunts, documentaries that might be doing like narrative recreations with stunts, do you think that you still can create impactful and safe stunts on those smaller budgets? Absolutely. How do you go about prepping and executing that? Well, I think you do it the way we uh, we did it back then. You save money and time by not going high tech. You come up with ways to to get the the stunt done with a much cheaper, quicker method, and just to save. Um, you may have to stylize the stunt a little bit. It's not going to be the same thing, but it's be really close. Like I know off the bat, if 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 I'm going to do a big, complicated stunt, it's going to require towing a couple of cars in by visual effects, a cannon, a big fireball, and all that. I know that's very expensive. Whereas if I can figure it out where I can drive the cars in, get rid of all the effects rigging, but still have the fireballs and put them in safe spots. I can get close to the same thing, but a lot quicker, a lot cheaper, and just as safe. What are the departments that you interact with the most? Effects, absolutely. Um, Effects and I go hand in hand on everything we do. They're always building rigs for us. putting in explosions, uh, building cages for us, cannons, everything. So it's, that is a one-on-one. I'm over at effects just about every day, making sure things are going forward. They're doing the way we want to do. I'll sit down with the effects lead, uh, come up with ideas. Um, I'll give them my ideas, how I want to do things. They, a lot of times they come back with different ideas of how they can do it. It might be better. Uh, and we, we just play around with it and, and uh, we'll go out and test and, um, art department, especially for fight scenes like on Black Panther, building the rooms, making soft spots, building corridors that we can actually fight in, make them a little wider or whatever we're doing. But you got to catch all that stuff early on that you get in the art department. You get wardrobe, 100% with wardrobe, especially if somebody's getting thrown out of a car, make sure that what they're wearing is going to work for us. One funny story on Fast 7, we have the bus sequence. And Paul gets on board the bus and saves the girl. And they blow the back of the bus off, and she jumps to the hood of a car, to Dom's car. Well, they were adamant about her wearing, I don't know what you call it, but it's a, it's a top with no shoulders on it. So that was her wardrobe. So we did the stunt with this stunt girl of dropping her on the hood. Next shot is, is the car backs away from the bus. From the side comes Shaw, the bad guy, out of the woods and just T-bones the side of this car. And the director wanted a really hard hit. So I kept talking about it and we went through the, the motions of, and uh, how are we going to do this? Um, I can't put a, a human being on that car hitting it that hard because you want a hard hit. It can be a CGI. You guys can put her in post. We can use a dummy, uh, but dummy, you're going to have to paint the shoulders because they're shoulder joints and everything else because of what she's wearing. So they said, all right, well, you'll probably be CGI because the dummy, we're just going to have to replace it with CGI anyway. So it'll probably be CGI. So I was thinking about it and I'm thinking and thinking and I went, all right. So I started researching sex dummies and I came up 
with a sex dummy and I sent it to production with uh, this would probably work for Ramsey on the hood of the car. She looks real. I mean, there's no shoulder joint to see. Um, she's posable. It'll work for the cut and visual effects said, absolutely. It'll save us a lot of time and money trying to figure out how to put her on the so they paid the, I think it was $9,000 for the sex dummy. Wow. And it came in a crate with bra panties and a bottle brush. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I handed her over to, to wardrobe and they put her in wardrobe. We put a harness on her. And she is the one that's on the, the car when it gets hit and you cannot tell the it, it. She reacted great. It, I mean, it, it worked perfectly. We'll definitely have to find that on YouTube and, and put a link for our listeners in the show notes. And who got yeah. the dummy after? Uh, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> she, she went missing. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Uh, but just like kind of illustrates, right, the, you know, resourcefulness and, and coming up with solutions. You know, when you kind of get boxed into a corner creatively because of things that have come down from the top, it's like, all right, well, how do we how solve this? How can we do this? Yeah. Always thinking, how do we do this? Yeah, but I mean, every department has their input. And luckily, all the departments that we work with, they all take that extra step to really try to make it the best they can for the movie. You know, risk is um, part of what you do. What do you think is the most important thing about making everything as safe as possible while it looks as crazy and dangerous as possible? What's most important is keeping calm. If I keep calm, I'm able to think about everything that I think could go wrong and try to cover those areas. And if I keep calm, all the stunt players keep calm. If I start yelling, everybody gets agitated. Nobody's really thinking about what they're doing. So I just keep a calm set. And I'm always, in every shot I do, even if it's just a run by, We'll have the meeting with the little cars so everybody can stand around and I'll show the path of the cars where the camera car is, where cars are parked on the corners of the streets, where the crew are, everything else. So everybody knows all the crews there, everybody's there, camera guys, extras, everybody knows what the shot's about. Now everybody goes to their cars and I'll do some slow by, slow run bys first so everybody knows the path of the car. Go back to one, then we'll start building up speed. And I just talk constantly. Okay, so when we go, this is what's going to happen. The lead car is going to take off. It's going to go through the car to the left, to the right. And around this car, it's going to pass the insert car. It's going to go right here. It's going to take a, a turn to the right at the end of the street. Any questions? And I want people to ask, hey, I'm, I'm not too sure if I'm supposed to go left or right. All right, let's talk about it. Because I don't want anybody to not know. Everybody knows. There is no stupid question. I don't care when it is. If, I don't care if we're rolling and we've already called action. If you don't know what you're doing or if you see somebody that you don't think should be there, anybody can say cut on camera, abort, abort, abort. Anybody. We can always go again. I love it. Well, customarily, we end the conversation with our Abby Singer moment. So it could be, you know, a story, an anecdote, some sort of lesson learned or final thought to leave the listeners with. Do you have anything that comes to mind that you'd like to share? A lesson learned. Never, ever, ever walk away from a stunt and then come back to it without checking it. Ever. <laughs> I rigged five repelling lines out of skylights in a, in a mall 
for a movie and tested every one of them all the way to the ground. It's about 40 feet to the ground, marble floor. So we do the shot. I'm on a rope and a bunch of other people on a rope. So we all come zipping down, firing our guns, go all the way to the ground, cut, print. First unit got it. They liked it. Now we're on second unit, sun guys. They tell us to go away, go do our motorcycle stuff on the other end of the mall. So we leave and go away. And while we were gone, first unit needed to shoot there, but he didn't want to see the rope segment. So a grip went up and packed them all in. Then they got to the second floor balcony and they said, drop that rope. And the actor's going to be as if he landed here, not down there, and start firing. So they dropped the rope. Well, it goes all over the floor. So they put it in his carabiner, and they said, actually, he jumped off, and he couldn't get it out of his carabiner. So the grip just cut the rope. And then he jumped down, pulls the rope out, and they get a shot. Then they had to shoot again without the rope, so they wrapped the ropes back up. And then at the end of the day, guess what? They called and said, we need the guys back on the ropes. And guess which rope I got? The one by the balcony. So I'm zipping down, and at 15 feet, I run out of rope. 15 feet to a marble floor. Hit the ground. I shatter my wrist here, break my tailbone, because we walked away, and we never checked. So always, always, always check and double-check if you ever walk away. I love it. Andy, this has been such a great conversation. As we close out, I'd love to just ask, what do you love most about your job, man? It's so much fun. It is so much fun. <clears throat> I mean, who gets to who gets to sit down and figure out how to launch cars out of a airplane, how to jump cars over a train and hit spots and crash them, put fights in? It's just fun. It's a dream come true for me. I mean, when I did stunts, I just I lived for the adrenaline and everything else. And when you do one, you just can't even describe the feeling afterwards. I mean, it's you're on such a high. And then I've gotten into coordinating, and now it's kind of the same thing. When I put a sequence together and I watch all my friends doing this friggin' incredible stuff with cars or fight scenes or anything else, it's just, it gives me this high. Like, Jesus, these guys are good. It's so much fun. It's fun to watch. I'm blessed and uh, very happy with what I do. What a fun episode, Andy. Thank you again for coming on the show, and we look forward to having you back on the show again soon. My pleasure. Thank you very much. For our bonus segment today, we're going to talk to Andy about the stunts in the casino fight in Black Panther. He breaks down his approach to designing that sequence and tells some interesting stories and elements that went into making that scene what it is. To get that bonus segment and more, you can check out our website at callsheetshow.com bonus. It's a way that you, our listeners, can choose to support the continued production of the podcast, and you'll get extra stories and insights from our world-class guests to help you become better filmmakers. Thanks so much for being a listener, for being part of the Call Sheet community, and we look forward to talking again real soon. And that's Taillights on another episode of Call Sheet. This show is brought to you by Elgin Entertainment. It is produced and hosted by Kiku Terasaki and me, Bryce Sirier, with support from our associate producer, Nathaniel Duber. I'm also the editor of the show, and our theme music is by Robert Mai. Our guest today was Andy Gill. We talked about stunts and the essential creative contributions that stunt coordinators and their teams make to the stories we see on screen. We also learned from Andy's example and anecdotes about the importance of safety, communication, and collaboration throughout the filmmaking process. 
Thanks again, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and keep coming back for more. Now, if you'd be so kind, please share the show with a friend or a colleague and take just one minute to leave us a review in whatever podcast app you use. We really appreciate your feedback and support. It helps us grow the show and improve the way we can serve you. On that note, if you want to suggest a topic that you'd like to hear discussed in a future episode, please send it in. You can email us at callsheetpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at callsheetshow. You should also check out our website for the latest content and news. That's callsheetshow.com. There are links to all of that and more in this episode's show notes, so be sure to check those out. Remember to stay tuned for new episodes of Call Sheet every Thursday morning. And in the meantime, good luck and go make it happen.